Well, we're not quite done yet. Nobody has, uh, nobody's crumbled. Although I guess some teams have crumbled. Some teams have faded away. Um, but we're still here. Most of the Guardians organization is still here. The Twins are no longer still a part of the chat. They've left. Uh, the Guardians booted them out of the chat this week. Um, this is the Guardians of the Future podcast. I'm Justin Latta, joined by Willie Hood. Get, give your um, bid your fa- farewell to the Twins, Willie. What's your uh, What's your parting words for the Minnesota Twins in 2022? Thanks for playing. Yeah, you, you know, uh, <laughs> well, thanks for acting like they were playing. They were pretenders, uh, that's for sure. And they're definitely going to whine about injury. Now, I don't know if uh, Nick Chubb is playing for the Twins or not, but – the Twins fans have to have somebody to blame. <laughs> is 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 Joe Woods the the Twins uh, two minute drill guy or the, the defensive coordinator over there too? There, the Twins defense was not good during that last series. Jeez, I mean, you can you don't really expect Gary Sanchez to play good defense, but I feel like there was a lot of bad defense on the Twins end. Um, not all undone in two minutes. The Twins, hey, the Twins at least waited the entire year to melt down. They didn't just wait till the last two minutes. Of this, that well, I guess we're about the last two minutes of the season, and they they melted down. But they were already they were already crumbling themselves uh, a couple weeks ago. So they were just making it much easier. Um, I'm pretty sure the Twins were not going to miss Ahmed Rosario. I know they're not going to miss the Guardians this year, but they're not going to miss Ahmed Rosario. That was uh, that was a heck of a performance. 11, 11 hits in five days and eleven RBI. That's uh, wow. That's a lot of fun, and I'm sure the Twins have have. Uh, I'm sure the Twins will be hoping the Guardians trade him. How about that? Well, I, I think uh, uh, Ahmed has to figure out a way to play the Twins every day. I, I think that would be good for everybody involved. Probably not good for the Twins and not good for Rocco Baldelli, but it's good for everybody else involved. Is is really what's important here? He's he's trying to appeal to the masses, not just one one. You know, the needs of the the many outweigh the needs of the few. So the twins need him gone, but everybody else needs him to play the twins. So well, some, fans just, are calling some fans are calling for what? Some fans are calling for, for Baldelli's head already. So they've already. Oh, wow. It. Things got ugly quickly. Wow. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they can, they can go join Brown's Twitter and, uh, and call for everybody else's job in the world. And, Destroy everybody else's sanity. We're not going to do that here. We're going to talk about, well, we'll spend a few minutes here on the Guardians weekend, and then we're going to get into some more minor league topics as as we normally do. Um, if we're going to start on the topic of the Guardians series, I cannot tell you the last time I was at a game as wild as Saturday night. There have been some minor league games I've been to in the last several years, in the last, you know, not since the runner on second roll came into play, but... Um, I do remember games in Lake County where there was like eight runs scored in the ninth inning and there were some five hour games, but, um, nothing like Saturday. That was, that was interesting. Thank goodness for Shane Bieber going eight innings in game one, because if not, that could have been a very long day for everybody involved longer than it already was. But, um, the last time I remember being at a game quite like that was opening day 2012 and Chris Perez, 
blew a two-run lead in the ninth inning, and the game went 16 innings, and the uh, then Cleveland Indians lost. So um, that was that was very interesting. I'm I, I I was saying that I think the 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 runner on second rule makes a lot of sense in the minors because. Um, you know, you, you don't need to burn these guys out in the minors. They're all there for development. And, um, of course, they want to win, which we'll talk about because we have two teams in the uh, the playoffs. But um, you're not trying to wreck those kids' careers. But um, you don't often see in the minors things going too long. Usually the 10th or 11th inning, that game ends. I don't think I've seen a 15-inning a game with that rule in the minors. So um, I'm definitely on board with a man on second rule after a certain amount of innings. And I think... Um, clearly that wasn't enough. Maybe, maybe Rob Manfred's next move, Willie, is going to be, uh, okay, bases, bases start loaded in extra innings. That's what he's going to do after Saturday, right? <laughs> Leave it to Rob to figure out how to mess around with baseball. I'm sure he'll come up with some new role that a lot of fans won't like so, but I don't want to sound too much like um, some. Uh, I don't know whether I'm a big fan of a lot of the stuff that he's done. Conversation. Yeah, we'll, we'll we'll have the whole off season to play around with uh, with rules and all that kind of stuff that's coming as well. Uh, how about Cody Morris on Sunday? Since we're talking about the, the twin series a little bit and. Um, Cody Morris goes six innings, gives the Guardians, you know, everything they need because very, very possible that they don't end up getting a lot of length out of him. And they they played 24 innings on Saturday and they used their entire bullpen outside of Carlos Vargas, which we'll talk about on Saturday night. Um, But a really good start for him. I mean, he, he threw 81 pitches. He looked about as good. I think we've seen him uh, this year. It's the most innings he's thrown this year, the most pitches he's thrown this year. Um, wasn't mm-hmm. supposed to start. He was supposed to come up and, and serve a bullpen role when he got called up. So the, the police act thing changed things, but um, he's got, I, I want to say he's gotten better every outing so far. I know he walked five against the angels last week, but um, I would say Cody Morris has gotten much better every outing so far this year. And and now I kind of wonder, I mean, police act supposed to go pitch like a, a rehab game or a simulated game of some sort to see what he can do, what he can give. But, um, I don't know. I'm, I think I'm on board with Cody Morris pitching, um, every fifth day at this point, or, or maybe they'll skip his start one more time when the last off day comes up next week for the guardians. But, um, I'm okay with him pitching as a start of the pennant race at this point. And you and I, I think at one point we're both kind of saying, you know, maybe his future is in the bullpen now after all these injuries, but it's hard to it's hard to pigeonhole him in the bullpen when you see him make starts like he did this past Sunday. Yeah, that's the thing with him. I mean, he was an excellent starter in the minor leagues too, and then you know the injuries and significant lengthy injuries have kind of pigeonholed him into that. And itself for him, I should probably reframe it that way. Um, and it's a great time for this organization to capitalize upon that. Um, but the talent is there to start. That's never been the question. It's been the health and how long, how durable will he be as a starter? Um, you can always go with the theory of ride him until he, till the wheels fall off. Um, I'm not a big fan of that 
but I do think um, I go with the hot hand and I would let him continue to start yesterday's start was huge for the, for the team and, and seeing him um, adjust after some initial st- struggles there with Arias and uh, coming back and getting six strikeouts yesterday, very impressive start for him and the team really needed it. Uh, different game today for the bullpen. Um, not necessarily number of runs Cleveland would score, but for the bullpen, if uh, Morrisell had only gone three or four, and it really changes who you have to use today, which impacts who you use tomorrow in this upcoming series. Right. So that gave him a chance to reset on Sunday. He went six and, you know, he doesn't go quite as long. They have to use more guys to get through Sunday's game and it's a loss. So not only do you lose the game because the offense wasn't there, but, um, you know, you also burn more of the bullpen. And so he was able to make sure they didn't do that, which was good. And he pitched well. I mean, they could have easily put him out there and, and let him pitch five innings, no matter how good or bad he pitched just to save the bullpen. But he went out there and gave him six good innings and uh, only gave up the one solo homer. So, you know, he soaked up innings and he pitched well, which was really important. And then, yeah, like you said, uh, today uh, on Monday afternoon, Cal, Cal Quantrill pitched well and the bullpen was saved a little bit more from that. So that was good. Everything seems to have fallen back in order. So, I mean, if Cody Morris doesn't pitch well on Sunday, if he's knocked out early, um, you know, this team could be in a, in a kind of an, I don't want to say a spiral, but they sure could be in a, a much worse spot than they were in after Saturday night's uh, marathon. So, um, yeah, important for the Guardians and, and important for Cody Morris to, to show going forward, hey, he can do this. This is a guy you can count on to keep you in t- uh, close games and tough games. And, you know, not to say the Twins lineup right now is, is the best he's going to face, and they've certainly had a lot of injuries. He's going to face tougher lineups than that, but that was still an important game that mattered yeah. against a team that was still trying to fight for its life, and I think probably um, no longer have it now, but they did yesterday. That was probably their last gasp, but um, definitely proved it. I, I, I'm really – I hate to say I think you're right. Don't want to – you don't want to ride him to the wheels fall off. I, I think at this point you have no choice but to continue to start him the rest of the year and see where that goes. And maybe in the playoffs, if you know, you shift him to the bullpen, maybe he's a goes back to being the multi inning relief guy in the in the bullpen when you go with three starters. But going into the next season, I don't know. I, I think I'm back on the starter train with him. I think you you go into spring training, see if you can handle it. And I hate to say I hate to see what happens if he gets injured one more time because that would be pretty devastating for everybody involved. But I don't know. It's kind of hard to let go of what he can do as a starter. I think. I think you. I think you want to give him. I would give him one more shot to see if 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 he can do it. But I don't know. I guess I am leery that one more. If he if he gets injured in spring training for a third year in a row, that's that's pretty bad. But I don't know. The temptation is really hard to resist to see what he can do as a starter going forward, especially. Um when you're still kind of waiting on guys like Allen and, and Bybee and, and, and Williams at this point. You know, I, I was wondering when you'd bring up, uh, Andrew Bybee. <laughs> speaking of which, uh, 11 minutes by the Bybee family. <laughs> I should have got to it sooner. That's my fault. I didn't get the ad read in soon enough. Do we have, do we have 30 minutes dedicated to him for this podcast? Or is it Cody Morris this week? I, I forgot. I, I didn't read the uh, I, do, I do have a Tanner Bybee segment in here. So, yes, we are fulfilling our obligations. I do have a segment. 
Um, I'm throwing you off. Uh, going back to Cody Morris, though. <laughs> I, I hear what you're saying. Here I am derailing the train and now trying to bring it back on the tracks. Um, no, that's so good. Going back to Cody Morris, um, I see what you're saying about wanting him to pitch. And you know my theory, injured pitchers will be injured. So you said he's been injured multiple times in spring training. I've got the solution. He skips spring training. Yeah, that that, that should work for everybody. I think that's great. Just uh... – yeah, April April tenth or whatever the Clippers open next season. He just goes to Columbus and just pitches six innings the first game. There you go, problem solved. Don't pitch in March. Who would have guessed? Simple. What is it? Keep it simple, stupid. Right. That's the that's the solution. Yes. As an old boss told me, just kiss it. Yeah. I don't. I'm so still no more pitching in March. Really kiss it or. <laughs> That again is a topic for another podcast. That this is not that is not ours. Um, <laughs> as we continue to roll off the train here, uh, good. So the playoff race is getting heating up for the Guardians. This is listen, good. Justin. You invited me on here. <laughs> I know, I know. What was I thinking? Jeez, it's 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 September nineteenth. We've done. I, I'm trying to think. This is episode. Oh gosh, how many have we have, how many have we done this year? This is episode twenty nine. This, uh, this about three hundred and sixty two of them. Is that oh, all? Oh my I gosh, we're in the three hundreds. Yeah, well, in my mind, we're much past the three hundreds. I don't know. It's been a long year. It's been a good year, though. Uh, I'm sure, people listening are like, "Yeah, it's been too long." Yeah. So uh, I, I see what you're saying with Cody Morris. Um, I still like the relief profile. I would not be a bit surprised if he is in competition for the fifth spot, fifth starter spot. Um, you know, that's assuming Cleveland decided to move a um, multi-injured arm, uh, another arm that's had multiple <clears throat> hand injuries. Um, if they moved somebody this offseason, that might open a role for some of these other guys to compete for. Um, we failed to mention Connor Pilkington, who went five plus um, no hit innings Saturday night. And I think that was pretty big, too. He's been erratic at times and, and also, also shown the potential to be maybe a, a rotation arm or at the very least, maybe a left hander in the bullpen. Um, you know, I, I don't like uh, if Morris would be down for a multi-inning role, um, I'm cool with that. If he still wants to start, let him let him um, take that risk. But you know, uh, I think the future points to bore, to toward the bullpen, and, and it seems like he, he was accepting of that role, and now has just gone and shown what he can do. Yeah, I think, you know, he's been a starter going back to his days in, in college, and he was starting the minors until this year. Um, this this year was the first time he'd ever pitched out of the bullpen. So, like you said, he definitely agreed to it. I, I would guess that if given another chance to start, he would definitely take it and run with it. I think everybody wants to be a starter. So, um, But everybody also wants to be on a big league club, and they want to contribute to a playoff race like he's doing right now. And he was okay with coming up as the reliever then. Um Either way, he's got a spot on the staff next season, whatever role it is. I just think that um, maybe there's still a chance that they they roll with him as a starter. 
Pilkington, you're right, seems like a good option for your sixth starter. I don't know. I think if you go out and you move, oh, I don't know. I, I don't know what the chances are they move a Zach Plesecker and Aaron Savali because they're going to just be lacking trade value because uh, they both got hurt at the end of the year. And this is the, you know, Savali's been on the IL, what, four times now since last season? And Plesecker's had three years in a row of just, you know, goofy things happening that have derailed his his availability. And um, that doesn't even include the fact that he's been up and down as a pitcher the last two years, you know, availability talent's one thing, but availability is another. And when you, when you have weight, you know, inconsistent talent and um, lack of availability, that's not a great recipe for trade value. So I don't know what they do with those two guys, but um, I would, I, I would prefer to keep Connor Pilkington in that, that, um, that I 71 role where comes up in the double header or he's your six starter in case somebody goes down. I think that's a good fit for him kind of the Adam Plutko role, but yeah, he pitched really good Saturday. needed that as well. Um, gosh, can you imagine what would have happened Saturday if he doesn't go as long as he did and kept him in the game as long? I mean, they scored early, so it was good, but um, we might've got to see any debut. Yeah, I was waiting for that. Okay. Speaking of which, I think this is, this is something we, 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 you talked about bringing up Connor Pilkington, giving him some kudos. I think we owe Kirk Bacardi some kudos, and you mentioned this oh, yeah. uh, in our DMs a couple of weeks ago when he was pitching. He's He pitched well against the Angels, and that's mm-hmm. the Angels, and they have you know three decent hitters. They have three good hitters, I guess, maybe four. I don't know. Um, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but Kirk Bacardi, it feels like every time he's been had his number called this year, um, you know, save for maybe early in the year when he was kind of playing mop-up duty. Um, but what a big performance from him on Saturday. That's... I kind of wonder if, if he was like on the race, would he kind of have that uh, that bulk innings kind of career going for him right now? Does he have that kind of stuff? I, I don't think he has anything sexy, but he's able to locate enough and being left-handed too. Um, I think his size adds some deception with his stuff and being able to run it up. Um, occasional 95 usually off – out of the zone, but I mean, he does run it up to 95 on occasion too. So you don't see that from uh, left-handers a whole lot. Um, you know, a, a few years ago, I mentioned him as a potential rule five pick thinking that somebody would pluck him and put him in that role. And I think that's where he, I said then that I thought he would succeed there. And I think that's his role now. Um, what he is as a pitcher or, or how he will succeed as a pitcher in the major league level, not necessarily a matchup left-hander, but one that can go bulk innings and provide, uh, just exactly what he did the other night. And it seems like he's been really good in that role the last few times he's been out um, since they got him back from the Orioles even. Oh, yeah, that's right. He was gone for a little bit. Um, I forgot about that. That could have really changed things drastically for him. So going back, his first couple outings, you know, he got shelled in the majors. It was, you know, he was up early yeah. because of a COVID breakout and – um was kind of serving as an emergency arm and he wasn't good early, but you know, he made, he, when Brian Shaw opened, served as an opener against the Red Sox in July, McCarty came in behind him through four shutout innings. Um, the next week they did the same thing again against the Rays. He came in and allowed one run over three and a third. Um, he had an outing against Seattle, which I'm guessing was mop up duty through two shutout innings, but, um, came in against the, the angels last week, gave him three and a third scoreless, 
came in against the White Sox behind Hunter Gaddis, gave them uh, one inning, and then he you know pitched allowed a run, but it wasn't earned because of the runner on second roll on Saturday, um, and he pitched the uh, 13th, the 15th, and the 17th. So he was pitching on on two days rest each time, or really one day's rest. So uh, kudos to him because obviously that's not something he's used to doing. He doesn't pitch on short rest. He's been a starter. Um, and he came in and gave him, I, I would say, gave you know gave him two out of the three there. Against the Angels, that three in the third inning was big. And obviously that performance against the Twins was big. And to do that, uh, three times in a four day span is not something he's used to doing. So, um, definitely deserves a lot of love. I thought for sure Saturday night after, I guess I should say Sunday morning, I thought for sure he was going to be DFA and they were going to have to bring up, you know, somebody to go on the 40 just to give them an arm that hadn't pitched last night. Um, but they hung on to him and good for him. Cause I, I'm pretty sure he would have been claimed. Like, I don't know why you wouldn't claim him at this point. So, um, yeah. Shout out to Kirk McCarty. I don't think that anybody thought he was playing a pivotal role in the Guardians uh, season in 2022, let alone a playoff race. So um, give a lot of credit to him. Not a, not a guy a lot of people were expecting to talk about this year. And um, he is at least going to have uh, kind of a footnote on the season at the very least at this point. It's the little things that matter. And, you know, he – he was there at an opportune time, uh, kind of like you said with Cody Morris. He was he stepped up at, when the opportunity presented itself. Uh, that's what is required from this team. It's kind of been a next man up type of mentality, um, relying on youth and inexperience all season, and expecting the players to to step up, and they've done so. And that's what's brought them to this point to this season. Uh, to see a lot of guys contribute and that's really what a baseball season is it, it takes everyone on that 40-man roster and then some yeah it usually takes like you know 45 guys or something like that during a season if not more um carlos vargas one of those guys we didn't expect to be up either i think i think just last week will you and i were talking about how he had a five inning or he said he had 12 strikeouts and in six innings at columbus and we were like oh well this bodes well for his ability to come up in 2023 and be a part of the bullpen. Maybe, um, you know, we were talking about the timeline for him and then lo and behold, he gets called up this week and doesn't end up pitching. I, I would assume he'll end up being option for Aaron Savali on Tuesday. As, as Savali is going to make that start for the guardians. Um, he, he was warming up Saturday night and I, I actually got a little too excited about it. Cause I was sitting there watching him and he's warming up and, um, I don't even know what inning it was at that point because they all blended together. But I, uh, I knew when Brian Shaw came in the first time, I was like, okay, he, he get through the inning. They have to score in the bottom half of this inning because you know Tito will bring out Brian Shaw for a second inning. So if they don't score here, chances are not good. They didn't score, uh, but Brian Shaw did come back for a second inning and he kept them scoreless. Credit to him. And I saw Carlos Vargas warming up at the and, and at the end of Shaw's second inning, and I'm like, oh well. He must be coming in next. So when they didn't score in the bottom half of the next inning and the bullpen door swung open, I just immediately assumed it was Carlos Vargas. And I tweeted he was coming on to make his debut and he would be debut number 16. Well, it wasn't Carlos Vargas. So I got a little overexcited. But uh, yeah, I, I would have liked to have seen him make his major league debut. Probably wouldn't 
have been ideal for him to pitch Saturday night. I thought maybe there was a chance for him to pitch today when the Guardians went up 11-4, to but um, I guess not. Clearly, he was only up for an emergency, but um, hey, good for him to, to be up there and, and get to know some of the relievers in that bullpen. Um, because it's been, you know, it's been a heck of a journey for him, uh, considering he hadn't pitched since 2019. And, you know, the last time he was on a major league mound until this year, I shouldn't say major league mound. And last time he was on pitching in a game that counted, um, the morning Valley scrappers were still part of minor league baseball. So, um, at least he got the call up. Hopefully we'll see him next year, uh, make his debut, but definitely a little bit disappointed. We didn't see him pitch at least once. Yeah, somebody, one of the commentators, I don't remember which one, mentioned that he was up for, uh, they said a four-game stretch. I think they meant the five-game stretch with Minnesota. Um, But I I believe you're right. I think it's... Um, yeah, so hopefully we'll see him. We'll see him next season at some point. How about the Arizona Fall League guys? Uh, real quick, we'll run through the, the list of Arizona Fall League uh, players that are going to be out in Arizona for the Guardians, and we'll just give some quick thoughts on on that set of roster. So, um, it's Angel Martinez, David Fry, Connor Cox, Mason Hickman, Cade Smith, and Lenny Torres um, are all going to be participating in that obviously angel martinez is kind of the headliner there as far as prospects go um only two guys i don't know i I have to look at david fry's eligibility i think maybe he already was but um at the very least two guys that are 40 that are rule five eligible coming this fall usually they add a little bit more but um i don't know it's good to see angel martinez and I guess good to see Lenny Torres be out there because Lenny needs the innings after missing time this year um, for a personal matter. And I don't know, I guess maybe they'll stick with, with Mason Hickman as a reliever. I'm not sure. Connor Cox is, and, and David Fry are the interesting ones to me because um, you need a lot of catchers out there in Arizona for the fall league because they don't want to start guys every day. Um, by the way, David Fry was already roll five eligible, so I don't know what they'll do with him, but. Um. Yeah, we'll see if David Fry gets more catching reps. And Connor Cox has a 21, 2021 draft pick. Um, that, that feels unusually fast to go from being a draft pick a year before to being in the Arizona Fall League, or am I crazy? Does that seem kind of fast? It, it does seem fast. Usually it'd be your more advanced guys or, you know, your bigger names, I think. Um, maybe that's is a compliment to him as far as how the organization views him. Um, it's really an opportunity to see Ingram there. I was a little surprised, frankly, that he was included on that list. Um, seldom do you see a possibly top 10 prospect for, for Cleveland in Arizona, but uh, he's going to be there. Um, David Fry, I think, could get some rep probably there because of his versatility and uh, does bring some interesting power, too. Um, you know, Kate Smith is the, the guy that they signed out of Canada as a non-drafted free agent uh, a few years ago. 
well, actually from the University of Hawaii, but um, by way of Canada. Um, he's had a really good season this year in Akron. And I think he and Mason Hickman both profile more as middle relievers. Um, a guy that's going to eat an inning or two and um, don't have huge upside, but have some value for the organization. And uh, Lenny Therese, you mentioned he had, you know, family matter um, that take, that took him away from the game. And I can understand why, why he left and um, how important it is to try to capture some this that's big in his development. Um, makes me curious about another arm, like Ethan Hankins, who's also missed quite a bit of time, um, why he didn't get signed out there or, or you know, um, what kind of trajectory do these guys have in the future? Um, like them, uh, President Hankins may end up being bullpen options at a later point themselves. Yeah, possibly. I think we were hoping to have Ethan Hankins or, or Daniel Espino or, you know, I've said maybe Will Brennan or Bo Naylor. Um, obviously, I'm guessing they didn't need to see for more from Bo Naylor. They didn't need more him catching more innings. I think Will Brennan has done enough this year where you don't need to put him in the Arizona Fall League. Not that these guys all have to work on stuff, but um, yeah, I definitely would like to see Kate Smith and Lenny Torres and Mason Hickman potentially um, pitch their way into relief roles in the future with Cleveland um, by way of the Arizona Fall League. And like you said, Fry has versatility. I would like to see them next season roll with three catchers, to be honest with you. With the, with the 26-man roster now, they always opt for the extra reliever, although you're capped at 13. But um, I wouldn't mind seeing David Fry in a bench roll. You know, he can can be a pinch hitter, can play a little bit of third and first. That You know, they do need a right-handed platoon option to go with with um, Josh Naylor. Not that I think Fry is, like, the, the best option for that, nor do I think Owen Miller is, but – um, at least you have that versatility and a third catcher because Cleveland's always so they've been more willing to do it late in the season, but um, you know, normally they're so unwilling to pinch hit for a catcher because you don't want to have, you don't want to have no catcher on the bench and, and at least get David Fry gives you that option. I don't know how they'd work his playing time into it, but um, if he has enough power and he can serve as a third catcher and, and maybe, you know, play first base once a week or twice a week against a lefty or, give Naylor a break or just be a pinch hitter himself. I think that's a valuable role. Um, if they think he could do it, I, I don't really know how great his defensive abilities are behind the plate, but um, the issue with that is if he is like your emergency catcher, you don't want him in late in the game when the game's on the line and he's not a good defender. You don't want him pulling a Gary Sanchez, which, you know, shout out to Gary Sanchez gave the, the guardians a, uh, a little bit of help on Friday night and then almost helped them win Saturday with that, uh, that, that wild pitch that, uh, scooted out of play that would have ended the game in the ninth inning had, had it not stayed, had it stayed in play, but you don't necessarily want a guy who's not a good defender there late in the game when the game's on the line, but I, I we'll see how maybe this is a good opportunity for Friday to get some catcher reps and hopefully improve and maybe have a shot to play that role. So, um, which means he'll play first really, base on, yeah, right. He'll catch like one game or he'll be on the taxi squad or something. Yeah, that would be just, just how his season would roll because I thought he'd catch a lot more than he did. But he caught less than he did because of the emergence. I shouldn't say emergence. I should say reemergence of Bo Naylor. Mm-hmm. Um, Bo Naylor is one home run away from 
a 2020 season as a catcher. And, you know, I know stolen bases and home runs are counting stats and that is what it is, but that's a pretty good season from a catcher. And and I looked it up and the last time I saw it happen in the majors was 1999 from Pudge Rodriguez, who's a hall of famer. Um, so obviously doing this in triple a, but I don't know, 2020 is a rare feat from a catcher that should be celebrated and, uh, mm-hmm. should tell you the kind of skill set Bo Naylor has. And I don't know. I'm, I'm firmly on board with the re-sign Austin hedges and have Bo Naylor, you know, be a three or four day a week starter and then have hedges catch the rest of the time. And maybe, maybe if you have a David Fry, maybe you can DH Bo Naylor one of those days. Um, or maybe Bo Naylor can spell his brother at first base. Who knows? Um, I don't know. I, I I would be tempted to have him start the year in the majors. I know they wouldn't do it. I know it was rare. They did it with Stephen Kwan this year. Um, I don't know. I don't know that Bo Naylor has anything left to prove in AAA. And I think that Cleveland's catching situation next year being what it is. I don't see, I don't see any reason why, you know, because Bo Naylor is going to be on some top 100 prospect lists next year. So guess what? You might have a chance to get a draft pick for him if he ends up being a rookie of the year candidate. So I don't really see a good argument to not start him as like a part-time catcher next to Austin Hedges. I think there's too much value to be gained there next season, especially considering you're going to go into the season as at least a, a favorite, a share of favorites for the division. I think that, uh, there's a misnomer there, and that's the ability to re-sign Austin Hedges. Um, not saying they won't be interested and he won't be interested in returning, but I think that he has a lot of values and other uh, a lot of value, and other teams will see that, and it's going to be competitive to re-sign him. I don't think it's going to be that easy. I think they may have to look externally to bring in another another uh, catcher next year. Um, and I do like the idea of bouncing Bo around a little bit away from catcher. Not that I don't think that he's an adequate catcher. I do. Um, I like to keep that bat in the lineup a little bit more and give him a break and let him um, transition a little bit easier into the big leagues. Um, Cause I think catcher is one of the hardest positions to, to play, let alone transition as a rookie into the big leagues. Mm-hmm. I don't know that Cleveland's going to have financial flexibility going into next season. Um, They've had financial flexibility, but they, they don't have anybody on the roster committed besides class a and, and, um, and Jose next year and and straw. Yeah. They don't have anybody else. Rosario will be in his uh, final year before free agency. Um, Mm -hmm. Bieber, Plesak, I believe Savali will all be entering um, second and in, in first time through arbitration. I just don't see any reason why they should let somebody outbid them for Austin Hedges services. I mean, obviously you don't want to go crazy. If someone offers him an exorbitant amount of money and you're like, okay, well, we just can't, it doesn't make financial sense for us to commit to Austin Hedges for this amount of time, this amount of dollars because we have Bo Naylor, but I don't think I, I know his services will be in demand because of his defensive skills and what he brings in the clubhouse, but I don't think it'll get to a point where it's going to be. Um, it doesn't make sense for the guardians to play in that pool with him financially. I think uh, 
I think it'll be within a range where it makes sense to to pony up and bring him back for one or two years and play and part him, um, play him with Naylor. I just think that, like I said, I think there's too much to be gained for the team between his defense and for what Bo Naylor can learn for him from him and the ability to kind of to blend those two together next season. I think there's just too much sense there to to let somebody else outbid you, considering I don't think I don't think his. I don't think that the money is going to go to a point where it's just going to be out of their, out of the point where it makes sense. Does that make sense? <laughs> seven for one year or two years, like oh, 14 two. million over two years. Yeah. 14. Yeah. I don't see why not. I, I think if you're going to pay, um, if you're going to pay miles straw, $5 million, you're going to pay him at Rosario. I think he's projected to get in the $7 million range. Um, catching defense is so important to this team. Mm-hmm. And I think it could do wonders for Bo Naylor's future as well. Um, yeah. I don't think that's a lot of money for, I, I think that's going to, I think he's going to get, you know, potentially five or six at offers anyway. So he might as well, Say seven makes sense. I don't know. What did he make this year? What was he in arbitration? Uh, four, I believe. Right around four. Yeah, I, I think you could make a case that he's worth six or seven million dollars, especially considering how few, how rare catching is out there. I know everyone's going to say, well, this guy can't hit, but he may not have to, you know, get 400 at bats next year to make an impact. He might, you know, you you can use him as a defensive replacement for Bo if you absolutely need to. And um, you could also pinch it from late in games when, but when he starts and Bo doesn't. So I, like I said, I just think there's too much value there potential to, to make that role work for both guys next season, not to do it. Um, what do we do with we'll That's a good question. I mean, he didn't, he didn't have a great year. He, uh, he made his major league debut and, um, he struggled when he went back to triple A, got hurt. He started to hit a little bit better in double A, but then he kind of fell, you know, fell off again. I think you need to bring him back and just let him catch and catch in triple A in case you have an injury or you need to to uh make adjustments. I don't think you can move on from him at all. You need three catchers on the 40 anyway. You really need four, actually, I would say. But um yeah, I would say next year he has to go to triple A and you hope that uh the back kind of reemerges for him next year because you know Bo Naylor had the one down year and we, we weren't ready to give up on him, but some people gave up on him. I don't think it makes sense to give up on Lavacita, not considering what he did with the bat last year. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I was just curious where you were on it, because that's one thing we haven't talked about. And uh, he seems to have been an, an afterthought, if you will, on the season. I don't think I've heard very many people mention him. Initially, uh, as the season progressed, well, before the season started, there were there were those that seemed to think that he was the future and I'll go Naylor, and uh, you know, I've stood my ground and said the reverse of that. That Naylor has always been the future there, unless they went out and got got somebody like Sean Murphy. You know, as was mentioned in the past. Um, I think with Naylor showing, I, I think you do have to look with a, a short term. I'll call it a bridge. Um, and I think Austin Hedges is that. And as you know, I've long said, resign or extend um, Austin Hedges is going to be important and significant for this team. And I don't think it's going to be that easy, but I think if you're willing to go to seven, maybe even $8 million a year for a couple of years, 
um, I think you can retain his services and I would be willing to give him two fifteen or whatever it is um, mm-hmm. to keep him around because I think he has that value to this organization. Yeah, I mean he's and he's been durable too, which is important. I mean, we mm-hmm. saw Roberto Perez in back to back years get knocked out, unfortunately, and he also missed this season. So um Hedges has had, you know, a couple of uh a couple of injuries, you know, from diving into dugouts and a concussion, which you know you hope is not a big deal or you hope is not long term effect anyway, but um he's certainly been very durable. It'll be interesting to see what they do in the offseason in that regard, especially since Technically, Luke Maley is still under team control for one more year. Um, but I think they're going to have to clear up that spot somehow to get Naylor on. And I think he might be um, expendable as, as good as you know, the home run today. But um, yeah, well, they're going to need somebody also in AAA as well to go with, with Lavastida because, you know, catching depth in the minors for them this year has not been a strength. They've had Seth Cadell and. Zach Facia up and down. I don't know how many times those guys really racked up a lot of miles. I hope they, they had Uber rewards or something because um, not great. Um, don't really have anything big playing to talk about Will Brennan. I just wanted to point out that Will Brennan now has 13 homers, 106 RBIs, and he has 20 stolen bases and 24 chances this year, and he's hitting 300. Um what a fantastic year. I'm I I don't want to spoil it cuz we're going to have to roll these awards out in October, but I don't know. I don't think there's any I guess Bo Naylor is, has a good has a good um case for it too, but I don't know. Will Brennan to me looks like uh the Guardians baseball insiders uh prospect of the year. What do you think? Inside track. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think he's got an inside track right now. I, I think uh we really have to weigh Bo's season in pretty heavily too. Um, what he's done, I think is pretty special coming from a catcher. Um, but what Brennan has done has been excellent. I mean, when you really think about it, uh, I know I said when he was drafted, he would be a fourth or third or fifth outfielder. And now he's looking like he's probably the third outfielder on, on the team now. Um, and I don't know where he plays. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if he's going to be center fielder. I don't think he's a traditional center fielder because he doesn't have that traditional center fielder speed. Um, somebody with plus or better speed, he, he's not that, but um, not saying he can't play center field or right or or even in left field. But, you know, it's it's funny how the situation has changed pretty quickly for Cleveland with all of the um, outfield depth that they need or or that they once needed, they now have. Yeah, for years they couldn't find one competent outfielder or they had one competent outfielder at a time and then they couldn't find two to go next to him you know, Michael Brantley and um, Tyler Naquin for a year. And then you had, jeez, uh, uh, who was there? Um, Oscar Mercado in 2019 was was like, you know, decent. And then he didn't show up after that. And then <laughs> they didn't have a single one in 2020. Yeah, what a mess. But uh, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you're going into next year with Stephen Kwan as one of the outfielders. Presumably you would think Miles Straw as well because of the contract and Hey, he's looked better recently as well. He, he had, had a triple today, and um, he's had a couple two-hit games. He walked today again, which is great. Um, Tito said he's becoming more aggressive. He's hit safely in eight straight games, and I've been I've been saying for two or three weeks now that hey, he's he's coming back around. Um, I believe he's hitting um, in the like three thirty range or or higher since September. 
Yeah, it sounds about right. And I didn't think he was as bad as he was when he was going bad. Maybe he wasn't as good as he was previously, but he's somewhere in between. The truth is always in the middle. So um, usually, yep. Yeah, yeah. So he's getting it back together. But you would you would assume that with the contract and that he's going to be back next year um, as one of those outfield spots. And then you know, hard to argue not having a spot available for Oscar Gonzalez. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I think that uh, he hasn't played a lot, but I would say that, you know, Richie Palacios, maybe this is why they're not super concerned about it because of his, um, his role and, and his ability to work in that bat. R- Richie Palacios does a great job at the plate. You know, he can put the bat on the ball. He can work in at bat. He can, you know, take pitchers to five or six pitches and, that's valuable to pinch hitter. I think that's why they, they have him on in that role. Not saying that role couldn't be utilized better because I think it could, um, especially considering, you know, you have the DH spot open and you can use that to rest guys, but also when those other guys like um, Jose and Rosario are playing in the field, you can still DH guy like Nolan Jones, but that's not the point here. Um, I kind of wonder if Will Brennan's got a chance to serve as, as the Richie Palacios next year. Hopefully he would play more. Than Palacios has this year, but I thought one of the one of the values of having Palacios was he could play second base. Um, I wouldn't necessarily put him at shortstop, but you know Cleveland is all about taking away the ability for Richie Palacios to play mm-hmm. second base. He hasn't played second base since 2021. Now um, he hasn't played any center fielder this year either, so he's just a left fielder. That's all he is at this point. And I'm 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 not saying that's all he can do in the future, but that's all they've allowed him to be this year and a pinch hitter. Um, I don't see any reason why you couldn't have Will Brennan take his spot next season on the, on the roster and rotate the outfield, you know, have Oscar play three days a week or have Brennan play three days a week. And um, you don't necessarily need to platoon those guys because Will Brennan doesn't have any platoon splits really. Um, and, and he could DH and pinch hit and, and he could come in as a defensive replacement. I don't see why you couldn't take advantage and, and use the depth to, to depth to your advantage. Because I think that um, if Richie Palacios is no longer uh, an infielder, he's just a left fielder. I don't see why Will Brennan shouldn't have that spot. I'll, I'll throw out the idea of freeing up two roster spots with one player, Will Benson and Richie Palacios. Um, if you removed or dealt them or sent them back to AAA and Will Brennan was up, you effectively have replaced both of those players, to me, with an improved player that can play all three outfield spots. Um, and gave you a better bat. Yes. He's going to put up a professional at bat. He's got a strong arm, strong enough to play right field, has the speed that he could handle center field. Um like I said, I don't think he's a traditional center fielder, but I think he can handle center field. And, you know, I, I think there's potential for him to fight his way into some sort of rotation out there. I would take Will Benson's defense over Will Brennan. Um, heaven forbid they're on the same roster next year again, because they did this year in Columbus. I don't want to do that again, because that's going to get confusing, but um, I would take Will Benson's defense over Will Brennan, but I don't think it's like a major gap. Like I'd, I'd have to look and see what grades we gave them, but I would probably give Will Benson, what, a, a 60 defender. I don't know if I'd give him 70, maybe a 60. Yeah. 
Yeah, and I, I would put Brennan probably like a 55 in the corners and a 50 in center. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, Benson's probably, you know, a little bit better than Brennan as a defender. Um, but Brennan's throwing arm just as good. The speed is, is a little bit less, but um, he's going to make more contact. But, yeah, I, I just – you're right. I think that uh, you could find playing time for Will Brennan if you play things right. I don't know what this says about Nolan Jones and George Valera, obviously, but um, it's it's super hard to ignore what Will Brennan's done this year is what I'm saying. I, I think it says that they have a lot of depth and they're going to have a lot of options to utilize this offseason. And it could be a fun offseason in a big way if they decide to go hunting for maybe a position that they think that the team lacks or needs an upgrade in. Or maybe they become opportunistic and, and a player becomes available that we're not aware of. And, uh, you know, they make make a trade. Of course, we've said that mm-hmm. for the last two years, but, you know. <laughs> now is the time. Um, wanted to get also mention Tim Heron. Um, three innings, seven strikeouts mm-hmm. in a bullpen bay. On Sunday, he was the the opener, I guess you want to call it, or he started the bullpen day, but he had three innings, perfect innings, seven strikeouts. Um, a guy who's also Rule 5 eligible this winter, left-hander who throws up to 99. I don't know how they'd find a roster spot for him. Um, I We'll talk about the, role, the 40-man roster when the season finally ends, because I think, I think there are – there's less of an issue this year than there was a year ago. So I think you might be able to find more spots than you might think. Um, maybe if I had room for a Tim Heron, I don't know, but uh, I, I think at this point, they don't find room for him. Someone else is going to take him. Cause he, you know, he reminds me a little bit of, of Trevor Stefan. I know Trevor Stefan was a starter in the minors and Tim Heron has not been, but um, you know, just a big physical pitcher who throws hard and um, just needs a few tweaks and, um, could be a valuable bullpen arm. He's got the fastball slider. Maybe somebody helps him find a third pitch. Maybe his control improves a little bit. I don't know. It, it, can, it, it was better in Akron this year. It hasn't been as good in Columbus, but like I said, he just threw three perfect innings and seven strikeouts. He led the Clippers in innings pitch this past week with a five and a third, which usually isn't good for a reliever, but uh, good for him. But I, I would, I don't know. I guess it depends on everybody else's roster, but if Cleveland doesn't roster him, I would, if I'm a GM of a team like Oakland or Detroit, I, I would take Tim Heron. Why not? A left-hander throws 99. Take a shot. You know, I was thinking about that. It's funny that you mentioned it because I saw that he logged three innings and seven strikeouts on, on guards insiders um, tweet. And uh, I got to thinking, you know, he's real five eligible. Um, he might be somebody that be willing to take a, le- a risk on a lefty that throws 99. It's hard enough to get good lefties, but when there's one there that is uh, already in AAA throwing 99, why not give him a shot? And he's definitely worked to improve himself and put himself in this position. Um, Andrew Misiezak is is going to be available there too. And uh, I think Van Graff's like likes him. Um, pretty well, or they did at one point in time. Um, he might be another one that we're not really looking at. We haven't been talking about a whole lot, but uh, you know, some big league club may think, "Hey, we can slide this guy into our bullpen." Because, like I said, you can never have enough good lefties. Yeah, Missy Isaac is definitely another guy that's that's worth considering. And um, 
has some effectiveness as a lefty. So we'll see. There's a lot of uh, a lot of ways they can go. I was gonna have a segment here for debating Tanner Bybee and and Gavin Williams season because I know I've been I've been big on this the last like week or so. I've been very annoying about this, but um, Akron season is over. They got eliminated from the playoffs late last week. Um, Tanner Bybee got better at double A. Not that not that Gavin Williams didn't pitch great, but uh, Tanner Bybee outpitched Gavin Williams at double A. I would say I don't think I I would have seen that coming coming into the season, but I don't know if any of us saw Tanner Bybee throwing ninety nine or ninety seven. So here we are. Better, I don't know. Better. I, I'm. I guess I'm willing to say Tanner Bybee had the better season of the two. I don't know if that necessarily makes him the better prospect, but I don't know. I'm I'm still saying those two are, are neck and neck. I won't argue that. I will say go look at uh, swinging strikes and Gavin Williams is better. The opponent average against Gavin Williams is pretty significantly better too. I think by 50 points. Um, okay. I don't remember if it was FIP or not, but I think Gavin Williams was better there as well. Um but I will agree with I, you statistically. Bybee's had a better season um, and is more polished. I said that last week in our in our podcast that uh, Bybee is more polished than Williams, but Williams has more upside. Bybee's FIP in, in Akron was better for what it's worth. Uh, Williams was up to four in in Double A, and I think Bybee's got better Bybee's got- from High A to Double A. So there is that. Not that that's the end all be all, but. I at least found that interesting that his uh, FIP got better and Williams has got worse, but you're probably right in the swinging strikes for sure. And um, like you brought up last week, I think Williams has more development ahead of him than Bybee does. I think Bybee is much closer to being a finished product than Williams. So if, if Williams continues to, to improve and reach his ceiling, he may end up surpassing Bybee in talent um, in the end, but um I don't know. Bobby definitely had the better season. That's going to be a tough one, I think. You know, we had we had a debate last year between Logan Allen and, and Daniel Espino for pitcher of the year for for GBI, and we ended up going with Logan Allen. I think this year we're going to have a very similar debate, and it's going to be a fun one. Yeah, like I said, uh, there's some positive indicators for for Williams. Um, statistically, Bobby six months older, more polished. Um, I can't remember if it was four or five years of starting in college. Well, while Williams only had that one season of starting reliever turn starter with big stuff. Um, you know, not used to that. Um, not used to going every five days, every six days as a starting pitcher. That's a, that's a significant change, but it also shows you the upside that's there with him. Um, that's why I'm looking at things like opponents average again. And those are also indicators of how dominant he is against his opponents um, and what he could be in the future. And that's not to take away from Bybee because all of his numbers are right there, top five in, in just about every category in pitching in the organization. Um, so I, I think you could probably safely say that Bybee is probably the, the pitching prospect of the year. Uh, I think it's close, but I think he probably is. Um because I, I would say statistically he probably has had the better season. Well, I feel that Williams' upside is um, greater. You know, as I said, Williams to me has the potential to be a number one starter. 
I don't mean a true ace, but I mean a guy that would be the number one guy for a lot of teams. Um, he has that kind of potential. Bybee has gone from a guy that may flash three, probably a four or five to now he's at least a three and probably going to show a, a potential to be a number two. Um, and a lot of that is, in fact, due, due to the progress that he's made this season, obviously throwing harder, the mechanical changes that he's made it. Made it. <laughs> he, he may have made it. Him too, but... <laughs> you can um, tell we're an hour into the podcast. <laughs> yeah, I'll blame it on that 15 inning game the other night. And then I didn't get all my caffeine in, in this morning. So. Are you going to? No. Are you gonna? Are you gonna claim that you stayed up for all fifteen innings? Is that why you're claiming that? No, no. <laughs> I told you that I fell asleep. I think I was thirteen or fourteen innings in, and I fell asleep. So that officially makes me an old man. <laughs> well, you fell asleep during the game. I don't know if you can claim it was on the game, but that did go late anyway. So, yeah, stay tuned for that. That'll be a fun debate. Um, what I have another say, comparison sorry, for my bedtime. <laughs> Well, it's almost seven o'clock as we record this, so I guess we're getting even closer. Um, <laughs> I've I've got a future comp for Tanner Bybee that I'll throw out in a future podcast. I was just thinking about it as we were talking. Um, I'll see if you agree with it in, in the future. Um, real quickly, the captains last week lost game one to the um, Great Lakes Loons. Will Dion did not have his best stuff. Uh, didn't throw a lot of strikes. Got uh, captain's manager, Greg Desenzo, said that uh, too much soft stuff. He was not attacking with his fastball. Didn't really have fastball control in that game, so I can see why. But uh, either way, didn't pitch very well. But the captains rallied, and they won two games in a row in, in Midland, Michigan, to take, take down the Great Lakes Loons. And then uh, Sunday night, they had game one of the championship series against the South Bend Cubs, which, by the way, that is a great lineup. They have uh, a ton of great hitters in that lineup, and they had a good pitcher last night as well. But um, they battled back from a 5-0 deficit to win that game 11-6, RBI single from Petey Halpin, RBI single from Alexi Planez. Um, Four hits last night from Jordis Valdez and a couple of RBIs. Uh, Willie, I've been very impressed with Jordi's Valdez. He's a very handsy hitter. Not a lot of uh, lower half going on there with the, with the bat, but uh, makes a good amount of contact, slaps the ball the other way. Did have a double off the wall in the game last night as he drove in some runs. Um, Rodney Boone wasn't fantastic, but Raymond Burgos was good as a reliever. Um, that game shifts to – that series shifts to Lake County starting on Tuesday night at 7 o'clock. Captains need one win to clinch another championship, so – um, I'll be there if you're listening to this and you're going to be the captain's game. Let me know. I'll be around. But, uh, hey, RBI single for Petey Halpin, another good uh, performance from Alexi Planez. And I'm very interested in Jordi's Valdez going forward. And I'm also very interested in, in Raymond Burgos as a potential reliever. He reminded me a lot of Tristan McKenzie when they drafted him. And um, he's been less healthy than McKenzie. But, uh I don't know. I, I like the reliever track for him as well. Any any thoughts on any of those guys besides Petey Halpin? Because I think we already know what you think about Petey Halpin. I think you're on the record at this point. <laughs> I won't be here for another hour. Yeah, I won't spend the rest of the podcast talking about our number one prospect. Um, <laughs> but but I uh, 
I think the thing to remember is how young some of these guys are. Jordi's Valdez, a lot of people, ah, that pick was a bust, and looks like he's actually starting to develop into a solid prospect. And, you know, Burgos, he was a guy that they picked. He was injured when they got him. He was extremely young. It takes time for these guys to develop. They're maturing physically, um, maturing between their ears, and they're maturing on the ball field too. And, you know, when it comes to baseball, that's – part of where it matters. The uh, the rest of it matters too, because it all plays a part in it. Um, but I think that's the thing is you just have to be patient with some guys. And I think that's what you're seeing with a guy like Jordi Svaldez. Um, the talent was there. The team recognized it when they drafted him. Um, same with Burgos. I, I like the track for him as a left-hand bullpen arm. Um, let's hope that he continues to stay healthy. I think it's an interesting um, – fastball slider, if I remember right, combo that he has there. I think he was running low 90s, occasional 94, 95 in the past, if I remember correctly on him. Not that I watched him at all this year, and it's been a while, but um, I, I do think there's some interesting stuff there with him. Um, Valdez offers excellent defense or an excellent glove um, and the ability to play around the infield a little bit too. Um, somebody that probably profiles at shortstop, you know, this team has a riches of, of shortstops and, um, you know, my thought is like, where do you play all of these guys? And then you have Milan Tolentino and then you have Dan Frias down in Lynchburg and, um, Angel, not sure if you say canal or, or how his name is pronounced, but, um, you know, the, the, there's an incredible depth of riches in the middle infield for this organization. There sure is. And yeah, Angel Janow also had a uh, an RBI double in the in the Hillcats game one of the championship series. So they like the captains were down 0-1 in the first round of the playoffs, and they rallied back um, behind five shutout, five no hit innings from Ryan Webb last Thursday. That game was at 2:30 in the afternoon, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, or if, I'm sorry, was it? It was Friday. It was Friday. Um, Five no hittings for for Ryan Webb. They won that game, game three. Uh, I think I tweeted Ryan Webb. His last uh, three outings was like fourteen innings and or seventeen innings and four twenty four strikeouts and and no runs allowed. That's really fun to see for him. Um, yeah, they rallied. So they lost game one on Sunday to the Charleston River Dogs. So that series will shift to uh, Lynchburg to end the end the season there and see if they can make a comeback. I think Ray Johnson pitched game one for them. Didn't pitch that great. Um, so neither starter did well in game one for Lake County Lynchburg, but Tommy Mace goes in game two for Lake County on Tuesday. He pitched great, um, uh, in game two for them last week. He was fantastic. So great to see from him overcoming the the finger issues he's had this season. He's pitched great the last two times out. I'm not sure who's pitching for, for Lynchburg. It might be Juan Zapata again. I guess we'll find out Trenton Denholm, I think also pitched last week. So maybe we'll see him, but, um, Two teams, chance to win the championship in the minors. I know winning isn't everything in the minors, but uh, still fun for these guys to, you know, work from April to the end of September here to to have good seasons, to be ready to play um, this late in the season. The you know, seasons are going longer in the minors, which is good for everybody, I think. Uh, good because the players get paid more because they get paid for an extra week, and then um, good for them to just stay on the field and, and get, get used to the grind and – what they're going to be ready for, but um, yeah, it'll be good to see them play for, have a chance to play for a championship. That's always a good thing. 
um, for how hard these guys work from, you know, March to the end of the season to get ready for this sort of thing. The whole year. Any. It's, it, yeah. Baseball is a whole year sport. So um, definitely good is. to see them get and, and get those extra paychecks. That always matters, especially for the minor leaguers who don't get paid enough. For sure. But they are unionized now. So that's a step in the right direction. Things have been moving in the right direction for the first time in a long mm-hmm. time for them. Um, and that's recognized by the Players Association and MLB now, too. So that's. I know. That's huge. And, uh, there there will be negotiations this offseason to be had. There will be some retribution in the future for that, I'm sure. But for right now, it's a good thing. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, we can get yeah, into that later, it. too. Um, I Did you say downsize? <sighs> I heard downsizing. Maybe uh, my kids I'm are sure being wrong in the background. I thought I heard somebody say downsizing. That is Rob Manfred's favorite word, so I wouldn't be surprised if there was downsize, and that's like his his uh, job cuts. Everybody right? has their own. <laughs> All right, you're really going to get Rob Manfred uh, in the mood now, so you better be careful. <laughs> uh, we don't want that in this yeah, podcast. <laughs> yeah, uh, <laughs> I will not be in touch with him about that. I don't want to hear his thoughts. Happy hour. Um, <laughs> it's it's way past happy hour. It's time for him to go home. Um, Last week, our picks of the week were Will Dion and Micah Preeze. That was mine. Uh, neither of them had good weeks, although Micah Preeze did steal his 20th base, so he he finished just short of a 2020 season. He had 18 homers and 20 steals, so good for him. Uh, Jake Fox did not have a good week, and then Reed Johnston gave up like four runs or six runs in his playoff start. So I don't know about you, Willie, but I am willing to call last week a draw in our picks. So what do you think? <laughs> Whatever makes you feel good, Justin. I'm going with the draw. They, they were all, they were, none of them pitched well. None of them did well. Um, so we'll call it a draw. I, uh, let's see. There's this week coming up here. The Captain's only played one game for sure. Hillcats only played one game for sure. Akron's done, and there's Columbus. Um, we, we can pick some. I, I have what do you want to do? All right, I'm gonna let's, listen. Let's pick players from the playoff teams. Okay. Okay, because the Clippers, the only so you, you only you only get one game. You're only guaranteed one game. So, no Clippers. Akron's done. Maybe we'll pick if by this time next week when we're doing this, Willie, the Clippers will only be the only team in action. So it would be very unlikely for me to catch you uh, unless I win. No, even if I win, the, even if I win the next two weeks, I can't catch you. So you've already won. I've already lost the season. So, but if you want to pick, be my guest. Who do you want to pick? Well, um, I'm going to pick Tommy Mason, Angel Gunnell. How's that? Wow. Wow. That's fair. That's a good pick. Um, I don't know who's starting on Tuesday for the Hillcats, but I guess I'll take. Um, let's see, Josh that Wolf. Is. <laughs> we didn't mention Josh Wolf and his four strikeouts in two innings. Um, trying to think here. Zach Petway pitched in relief the other day. Um, all right, give me Tyler Thornton. Because he's been the other, uh, 
Yep. He's been the other half of that great bullpen in Lynchburg. So give me Tyler Thornton. Um, I'll say he pitches in relief good for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, offensively, oh. I'm not sure who to sure. take. You know what? Give me, give me, I need a captain, don't I? I need a hitter for who's going to be a good hitter for the captains. I guess give me Petey Halpin. Why not? That's what I was going to say. Go, Tyler Thornton would have, would have been my uh, pitcher from Lynchburg if, if you had taken Mace. So I'm good with that. All right. Well, this is a heavily stacked one. I've already lost the season series, but uh, this will be fun. This is a. Yeah. A just for fun. That's why we, we, we hamstrung ourselves to just the two playoff teams. So. Right. All right. Well, no questions this week. I didn't get any. I don't know if you got any questions, but I did not. So uh, we can get out of here on that note. And uh Enjoy the the biggest, I don't know, the biggest three games of the year for the Guardians in Chicago. What's that? Do you have a question? I said I always have questions. No. Yeah, well, I don't have any answers. I don't have any answers. You're asking the wrong question. (laughs) I I don't have any answers. So if you got questions, you're going to have to answer them yourself. I have no no answers for the questions you have. How many games does Um, Cleveland win? The division by three. Agreed. What do you think? Yes, three. Okay. okay. How many? How how many games they win in Chicago this week? One. Yeah, I'm with you. One game. They'll win one game in Chicago. It's going to be tough, but there are one. One will be enough for them. All right. You heard here first. They're going to win the division by three games. They're going to win one Chicago this week. That's going to be enough. And uh, boy, this time next week going to be a lot more interesting things to talk about. We'll see. Uh, thanks for listening, and uh, we'll catch you next week. <laughs>